Well, welcome back as we head into hour three. As I was talking about in our previous hours, I was down at the uh, um, Lukeville Port of Entry today earlier. You know how you can tell a good journalist? You can tell a good journalist by someone who knows the whole story about everything that person is reporting on and wants to share it and can communicate it clearly. When I went down there, I ran into a singular journalist who was covering this story. There should be more. This one was Allie Bradley, and she couldn't have been more helpful. She is the Southwest correspondent for News Nation, and uh, I asked her if I could have her on the show, and she said, yes, the cell service isn't perfect down there. She's there now still covering what's going down at Lukeville. So we'll do the best we can. Allie, thanks for your reporting. Thanks for your journalism. Thanks for being with us, and thanks for your education this morning. Hello, my source. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And right now, we just watched uh, a group of about 12 people come through two big holes in the border wall that the construction crew was actually out here repairing. They walked right underneath the construction crew and then down the wall to to link up with immigration. I mean, it is... It's a sight to see down here and something that you witnessed firsthand. I witnessed it firsthand, and thank you for a lot of your help in showing me. I did go down to that area where they had cut out the hole in the fence. Gosh, you had cut video. I mean, people are flowing in from young ages, four, five-year-old little children, to a man uh, with a walker. My God, Allie. Say whatever you want about Mm -hmm. what you've seen over the last two days and what I saw today. Say whatever you want. There's no way I can describe what I saw today better than what you told me this morning. Yeah, you know, I've been down here covering the Arizona border for about a year and a half now. And over the last six months, Lukeville has become an area that has seen a lot of foot traffic, a lot of what they call give-ups or self-surrenderers. And it's a sector known for gotaways and fentanyl. So things have really shifted here. The cartel really started capitalizing on things down here when those floodgates were welded open. Now, after our reporting, those floodgates were welded back shut about three weeks earlier uh, than monsoon season was ending, which is what they were claiming. And I'm, I'm sitting down here right now, and there are vehicles that are circling this little shack out here that are blacked out, tinted windows. And they're, they're cartel operatives. They go around and they scout and they look for where Border Patrol is. They look for where the people are and they look to see where it's clear. And they're so brazen right now. So that's something that I have witnessed here firsthand. In the broad daylight, these cartel guys are out here sawing through the wall using power tools. And they even brought in a secondary crew that towed along a generator. And they're out there laughing at us, blowing kisses to me, waving thumbs up. I mean, it is a lucrative game to them at this point. And the, the cartel, it's a $13 billion a year industry. So they're making a lot of money. And they found out it's much more lucrative to move people than it is to move drugs. Because people can be used multiple times. And they have family members that you can get your claws into. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now in these open holes that they're creating. We've seen in other areas like Naco, Arizona, where they go up and over that 18-foot wall. This one here is 30 foot, so it's a lot more painful if you fall. You get compound fractures like they do in El Paso. So here, they're cutting the bollards straight out of the wall now. They used to just slice through the wall sets. But that was easy for Border Patrol to just patch up with an iron slate. You know, they would just put a slab of wall there and weld it in really quickly. Well, now they're ripping the bollards clean off the wall. And how they're doing it is they're slicing the bottom part of it. They're wrapping a rope or a a chain around the bollard. 
linking that up to a car and towing it away. So you're finding abandoned ballers, these big, uh, the big staffs that are going up and down those vertical, you know, uh, those vertical cement things that are holding the wall up. Those are abandoned over on the Mexico side because they're ripping them off because it's a lot harder to fill those gaps than it is to just put a piece of metal in that place. And that's what they're capitalizing off of right now. And the reason they're able to do all of this, it takes about a year, an hour for them to saw through these ballers. And Border Patrol is so busy right now, Seth, because this sector is being absolutely overrun. They're seeing more than 2,800 people cross in a single day. Over the last seven days, they've had 16,800 uh, 16, people over the last seven days. In the Tucson sector alone, the previous high, according to Chief Modlin, was 15,300. So we're seeing a massive you know, increase week over week. When I first started covering it down here, we were not even seeing in the double digits like that. And now we're seeing, you know, 16,800 people over a course of seven days. That is something that this sector can't handle. And there's many reasons for that. And that's why it makes it such a perfect place for the cartel to capitalize, because it's very remote. As you mentioned, our cell service is terrible. They can't get buses out here because the terrain is so bad. So they're moving people in buses or in vans and trucks. And the issue down here in the Tucson sector is very unique as well and something that the cartel knows about. There's a, there was an injunction put into place in 2020 by a federal judge after um, a lawsuit came about about the uh, conditions, the inhumane conditions, if you will, in Border Patrol custody. So here there is an injunction, Mayorkas versus Jane Doe, that's in place that basically forces Border Patrol to process people as quickly as possible here, because if they violate that injunction, it could cause a ripple effect across the border. That judge could reopen that case, and the entire southern border could then be subject to that injunction, which requires them to get them out of Border Patrol custody quicker, and also stipulates the kind of care that they're provided. And again, it would be more than just a slap on the wrist, like Border Patrol did something bad, and it looks bad to optics there would be legal ramifications. So they really have something that they're up against here that the cartel's able to go, you know what? The Tucson sector is the move right now. Texas, it's pretty much sealed up. It's pretty fortified. But, hey, we're going to take the path of least resistance. The other side of this wall, the Sinaloa cartel operates, and they're one of the most powerful cartels. Mind you, they are under a little bit of uh, pressure right now because those chapitos are kind of being broken apart a little bit. They've got some people under arrest. So they have some, some factions that are kind of trying to flex their muscles, if you will. And we have seen that. We literally saw these cartel guys, like you said, pushed a group through, about eight people, a family from Peru. One of the men, uh, one of the men had, an, had an amputated leg, didn't have a leg. Right. And so we had to get help going through that hole. And then he goes and he's in a walker for the rest of the way. And that, that cartel smuggler comes through the gap makes that contact with us, it's giving us the thumbs up, is waving, even does a flex, a literal flexing of muscles yep. uh, to show off. And again, this is all happening in broad daylight. And then they move over about two hours later, that same crew is out there, and they're the ones cutting the fence. And, you know, they, they came out here with reinforcements, they were waving at us and taunting us. And again, it just goes to show how brazen they are, and they don't care, you know, and you just saw them push a group through right under the construction crew. 
And it's kind of a uh, whack-a-mole down here for, for these Border Patrol agents. And again, they're tied up. They're processing and transporting thousands of people every day. And we called Border Patrol, and they did come, and they ceased uh, their, their sawing efforts. They stopped trying to cut through that wall. But the agent was explaining to us there's just not enough people to respond every time there's a cut job going on. So there's not somebody out here watching the line every second of the day. You know, the technology is not, you know, out there where they're watching the, the wall and making sure that there's not problems. And so there's a lot of issues down here, but I will say there was an ATV group out here the other night. There were about four different guys uh, with Border Patrol on ATV units. And they had gotten intel that the cartel was trying to push a group of about 150 through the wall. And so we're standing there watching it. And they actually lined up basically shoulder to shoulder on their ATVs and deterred this group from crossing multiple times. They pushed them down the wall. They would come up another area and try to cross again. And those guys were there to act as a deterrent. And they made it very clear that that is the job that they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be able to be out there. And it's kind of shocking to hear that they told me that was the first time they've actually been out there to be able to deter these individuals that are coming across because they have been so tied up with the massive groups that are coming across. And it's important to know out here, this, like I said, it's a fentanyl sector. This is where 40% of the fentanyl that seized is coming through. This is where the majority of people from the special interest countries are also coming through. They have a very uh, wide range of people who come through here. I've met people in the Tucson sector from Uzbekistan, from Mauritania, from Senegal, Ecuador, Guinea, uh, you name it. But you go to Texas and you're pretty much getting people from the Northern Triangle and you're getting people from Venezuela. Allie, let me hold you right there. Allie, this, this is beautiful. Let me hold you right there. I have to take a commercial break. I know you said we could play this by ear, so I don't know if you have to go, but do you have time to <laughs> yep. stay for another segment uh, so far so good or do you have to run? Absolutely. Let's Thank you, Allie. Great. Let me take a quick commercial break. Allie Bradley is with News Nation, and she is at Lukeville. She gave us a great debriefing this morning. Channel uh, 3, Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 12, Channel 10. You should be with Allie. You could take instruction from Allie. NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC. Go learn from Allie at News Nation. We'll be right back. Allie Bradley is a correspondent, the Southwest uh, correspondent for News Nation. NewsNationNow.com is their website. Uh, I met her this morning as we were talking about with a group of friends. I went to go see what was going going on at the Lukeville port of entry. What is going on is nothing short of chaos and anarchy. Allie is the lone reporter I saw down there. Allie, do you have a lot of other colleagues, not from News Nation, but have you seen a lot of other colleagues? I didn't see any other news reporters down there. You know, there was um, one gentleman down here from Kagan, I believe. Yeah, Channel 9 um, maybe in Tucson, right. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, he's been down here a couple times. I've crossed paths with, path with him a couple times down here along the border again. Um, I covered the border exclusively. I've been in Arizona for about a year and a half. And so I've run into him a couple of times. But for the most part, it, it's pretty isolated yeah. for coverage out here. You know, yeah. all of the sheriffs. Everybody down here is willing and able to talk, and yep. they want to talk. Yep. I don't. I'm not sure why there are not more conversations about it. Well, you're doing great work. Uh, let me run down a few things that you spoke about, Allie, if I might. Um, the mm-hmm. cartels. How is it outside of the obvious drugs like fentanyl? How is it they're making money with the people? How do the cartels profit here with the people? 
Yeah, so when you talk to these individuals, they pay a lot of money to get here. They'll pay anywhere from 1000 to $5,000, just depending, right? Mm-hmm. And it depends on if you're from a special interest country. You're going to have to pay more because it's harder to get here. Right. It all depends. All of those factors come into play. Some people, unfortunately, pay with their children. Yep. If they have three or four kids, they might leave one with the cartel and get promised that they're going to link up with them later. And I met two young girls this morning, Seth. Yes, one was 10 and one was 7. They're from Ecuador. Yep. And they were visibly scared. They were literally by themselves. They said their mom was already here. And, you know, that's not, that's not how this story started in the beginning, right? The moms would send their kids over here because they wanted their kids to have a chance. Right. Now the, the moms are getting here first because... Something happened over in Mexico. Yep. The yep. cartels got involved. And that's the reality. And these little girls, I mean, what's really sad, Seth, is I was escorting them. And I know what them you did. God, it's beautiful. You, what you did was beautiful. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to validate what, you, oh, no. what you're about to say. Go no. ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, it's all men down here. And these are two little girls. And they just wanted their mom. That's what they kept saying. We want our mama, right? And my Spanish is terrible, but I did my best. And um, I went out to my car, and I don't have much with me, but I brought them my Pop-Tarts that I had. They were broken and, you know, in shambles. But I told them, here, you know, here's a snack. I hope this helps. And I said, you know, they're going to work right now to bring you to your mom, to connect you with your mom. And I just kept reassuring them that they were You kept saying a sabien, right? Yes, Estabian, and I asked them if they were okay, and yep. they were crying, yep. that they were visibly crying and shaken, and they're going in a car with a man that they don't know. That's right. You know, and they're sitting in the back seat with caged windows, yep. and they don't know anything, and I'm like, can I go with? And no, you can't. I can't be there. And it was really hard for me. Um, I don't have kids of my own, but I am an aunt, and I am a sister and a daughter, and I just, I wanted with every fiber of my being to get those little ones back to their mom, but the reality of this is they might not. They might they not. Might not. Yeah. They, don't, they don't know how to get them to their mom. If they don't have a phone number or an address, you know, that's, that's what they have to have. And if they don't, and who's to say that those are their families? That's, I hate that's to say right. that, but that's right. we don't even know that. Allie, uh, uh, we're talking to Allie Bradley from News Nation, newsnationnow.com uh, website. Allie, the other question I have is I don't want people to get the impression that with all these hundreds and thousands of people that are coming through, that these aren't gotaways. These aren't people that we're detaining and turning back. That's just not true. These are people that will, by sundown, probably be walking the streets of Tucson, correct? Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. These people are here to, what they say, self-surrender. Right. They're mostly here. Um, they're all, all the people that you saw, Seth, hadn't even been apprehended by Border Patrol That's yet, right. and they could walk away That's right. anytime they wanted, yep. but they want something. And that something is to be processed by Border Patrol because then they have a chance at getting into what Alejandro Mayorkas, DHS secretary, calls removal proceedings under Title VIII. Right. Well, Title VIII was the uh, the premier removal authority before Title 42. We've been in Title VIII for a very long time. Here's the difference in what's going on under this administration. Title VIII removal proceedings under this administration, for the most part, comes with a notice to appear. It might be in six months, but it might be in six years. And so these individuals are getting released, some of them within, you know, 24 to 48 hours, especially if they're in the Tucson sector, because as I mentioned, they have that injunction to process as quickly as possible. So some of these individuals may be kicked out into the country with a notice to appear within a day. Um, Now, most of them that are being prioritized are family units. 
However, my sources down here tell me the vast majority, 60% of the individuals crossing here are single adults, and most of them are men. Yep. And so those individuals are going to go through a process. Um, some of them will be put in an expedited removal process, and that is through ICE ERO. Now, they are removing some people, but again, they're not prioritizing those removals. Um, they're prioritizing removals for people who are national security threats. Right. Um, that has been directed by a federal judge. They have been able to kind of pick and choose. And, and the right, you know, the Republicans have said, no, no, they all should be prioritized because they've all broken the law, right? right. But the, the other side wants to say, well, we need to put our manpower and our resources towards the terrorists and the national security threats, right? So they're able to kind of work around that and um, not prioritize removal of some individuals. And the other thing is this administration has been very vocal about not um, being an advocate for detention. That's right. And so you have people put in the firm program. It's family expedited uh, remove, management removal, and they will have an ankle monitor. And those are family units. So you're not necessarily seeing the ankle monitors on the single adults anymore. You're seeing them on families who are being placed in an expedited removal process. So it's really interesting. But right now, for the most part, everybody that's crossing is getting a pretty fair shake of getting access into the country. And the only way that you're going to know their, their identity, if they have anything nefarious, is if they have an immigration infraction in our system or they've committed a crime here in our country. Uh, for the most part, we have 170 nationalities represented along our southern border of, of encounters. Those are, that's how many countries have crossed into ours. And how many of those databases do you think are actually even available to them? Well, I, I mean, don't even know how, you, you how many times they're telling the truth as to who they are, because what I saw was a lot of identification like passport and passport information and ID cards left behind on the ground. And that's exactly right. And I've talked to Chris Clem, who's the former border and recently retired Border Patrol chief from Yuma, who has outwardly said, and I posted about this, if they don't flag in the system, if they don't have an immigration infraction right. or an Interpol flag or an FBI terrorist watch list flag, they can be whoever they want that's if right. they come over here with nothing. That's right. And that's the reality. And that, that's happening also, Seth, is a lot of these individuals that we're finding to have, have criminal histories later on. You bet. They're flagging late in the system. And so we're maximizing this processing time, right? We're getting them out as soon as we can. But then those Interpol flags, they use three different systems. Those are backlogged just like everything else. You bet. Just like the court backlogs, these systems are. So sometimes they'll flag three days late. And they've already been released into the country, and then ICE has to go find them. And that's the reality, because that, they only know what they know. And why do we really think that these countries, A, have a valid database? Right. They probably don't even have the active that's medical right. records, right. let alone a, a criminal database. And, and B, that they're going to share it with us. That's right. And, and that's the reality. We, Chief Rodney Scott testified we're only, our systems are only as good as the ones we vet them against. And right, right now, we're vetting them against an empty hard drive. Allie Bradley, thank you. I hope we can call on you again. You're doing great work. Can we? Thank you. Yes, please. Seth. Thank you very much. You bet. Allie Bradley from News Nation. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, it's hard to describe. What we did see down there, Allie does as good a job as anyone, um, and you can see some of her reporting at uh, NewsNationNow.com. Please do go there. I can't stress strongly enough how big of a story this is. 
uh, one of my friends, uh, Troy, uh, who was on earlier in the show, you know, was sending me pictures of this, video of this from over the, over the weekend. And he said, you got to come see it. I said, well, I've been to the Yuma sector a couple of times and, um, you know, I'm pretty familiar with what's going on at the board. He goes, you have to come see this. And um, I said, okay, I, I under, <laughs> okay. And we, we got, we, we scheduled it for today. And um, I have to tell you, I was not prepared for anything like it. Uh, I was talking to a, a former congressional staffer about it today who is familiar with the scene. And I told him what I, he asked me what I was doing today. And I told him I was in Lukeville at the border, uh, at the border entry. And he said, I know what you're going to say. And I said, what? He says, you're going to say there aren't words for this. I said, that's exactly right. Because he'd seen it. There aren't words for it. And there's so much to say about what I saw in my short visit there this morning. First of all, the line there and the people there, these these are not people from Mexico. These are not people from Venezuela. These are not people... From Colombia, these are not people from Central or South America. Almost everyone there, almost everyone there we saw, and throngs, hundreds, and by the end of the day, it'll have been thousands. Almost all of them are from West Africa. How do I know this? I know this for a couple of reasons. One, the Border Patrol, who is very helpful there in talking to you, will tell you. Two, Ali will tell you. Three, you have eyes, and you can see these are people that are not from Central or South America. They're from something on the African continent. For this most amazing situation where you go and walk around the area by the fence or wall, the wall, I suppose, and you have to understand what the wall is, first of all, for people that, you know, hate the idea of a wall. <laughs> um, it's about 30 feet tall. And it's not – you can see through it. It's, 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 it's got – you know, it's, 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 it's really a fence wall. It's strong and it's made of heavy metal, but there's space in between it so you can see through to the other side and so that wildlife or animals or whatever can get through as well. It's not big enough. It's not – I would say the distance is probably, I don't know what, about – I don't know. What what would you say this is, David? Is this about six inches, something like that? Sure. Fair yeah. enough. Something like that. It's about four to six inches between <clears throat> between barrier. And um, so how do I know they're from Africa? Because they have turned this into an environmental and disposal nightmare. For people think that, that, that may think that the wall disrupts the environment or that we are callous about the environment – Go down to a border area. You will see more litter than anywhere you've seen in America since 1970. I guarantee it. You will see discarded plastic water bottles. You will see discarded food. You will see discarded packages. I saw discarded um, neck pillows uh, for airline flights, which, by the way, tells you that these people, some of them, maybe many of them, are flying. They're not going by boat from West Africa to uh, to 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 to. Puerto Rico, Florida, whatever, the, the, a lot of them are flying into Hermosillo. Uh, that's, that's another thing. But then you will see discarded backpacks. You will dis- see all kinds of it, – it is a 
It is. It, it looks like an advertisement, David. Who was? What was the advertisement? The anti-littering campaign was it Wild Eyes or Iron Eyes? Cody? Iron Eyes Cody, Iron of Sicilian Cody. descent. He was actually of Sicilian descent. Yeah, but it looked like. Do you remember those ads where you saw the litter and he was crying? That's what it looks like. It looks that littered that area, which is otherwise beautiful and pristine desert, totally littered, and then. You see the money transfers and the discarded passports. Why discarded money transfers and discarded passports? I'll tell you why when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. How am I doing, David, for someone who got up at one this morning? We're doing all right. One? Uh, yeah, one. Did you sleep at all <laughs> last night? <laughs> Is that a Bobby Darren song? I didn't uh, sleep at all last night. I don't know. Check it out. I think so. I think check it out. I think it's Bobby we'll Check it out. Anyway, I was telling you folks how I know and how we know that the hundreds and then thousands of people that will be going through the Lukeville port of entry today are from West Africa. Uh, obviously, everything I said earlier, and by eyesight, you can just tell these are not people from Central and South America. But also, when you comb through and walk through all the litter on the otherwise pristine desert, what used to be pristine desert, the plastics and the papers and the packaging and the the backpack. I saw a baby carriage, a discarded baby carriage, neck pillows, other clothing items, shoes, discarded mayonnaise jars. Let me know when you have the answer to that, by the way. It's not splish splash, is it? Anyway. What is it? Through a long and sleepless night? No, no. If I have to do this, I'll do this. I'll do it all today. You see the discarded money um, transfer notices, and you see discarded passports and photocopies of passports from countries like Guinea, from countries like Senegal, from countries like Gambia. By the way... These are countries 80-plus percent Muslim, just FYI, okay, just for what it's worth, just FYI. This is a a Muslim immigration situation. Um, Why are they discarding them? You know why they're discarding them? Precisely what Ali was getting at in our previous part of this hour, because when they talk to CPB officials— They invent who they are. Why would they invent who they are? They invent who they are so that they're not single males. Single adult males have a harder time. They invent who they are because they may have criminal backgrounds. They invent who they are because they may be on a watch list. They invent who they are because they they may have come through and been returned again. They can be anyone they want to be if they don't have ID, so they discard their ID on the ground. And there's not enough CPB to collect it and match it with any kind of facial or other, other kind of recognition. So they just take your word when you're at the border. Now, as Troy will tell you, he seized – or was it Gil? His brother Gil will tell you he seized a notebook – seized, picked up a notebook from the ground – that one of these people left behind with all kinds of questions that they were preparing for, 
Why are you in the United States? Why did you come to the United States? Why do you want to be in the United States? Why did you come to the United States? And page after page after page of questions they were studying for to give the literally politically correct right answer so that they could be processed and walking the streets of Tucson tonight. They're given sometimes they're given a cell phone, sometimes they're given a money card, a money debit card so that they can get the basics of life. Guess who's paying for that? Not Gambia. Not Senegal. Not Guinea. Right. The country after whom Monrovia, just below it, was named after, is paying for it. The United States. Did you know that, young David? The capital of Liberia was named after James Monroe, Monrovia? I did know that because he was a proponent of establishing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And look. Did did we learn more on the music? I <laughs> maybe not by Bobby Darren. Last night I didn't get to sleep at all. Was no. a song by The Fifth Dimension and Johnny Mathis. Bobby Darren's song credits include Through a Long and Sleepless Night or All Night Long. <laughs> all Night Lionel Richie. <laughs> I like a different one. Different one. I like All Night Long by Lionel Richie, but a different All Night Long. That should be in our. Uh... Um, in Bumper our bumper, music, yes, party, fiesta, yes. forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? We can make it happen. Okay. It was a long time ago. All right. Um, so what you have is a perfect storm. And the question the four of us who went down there this morning kept asking is how does this end and when does it end? Not soon. Not soon. This has been going on. And I have to tell you, I'm not kidding when I say Channel 3 and 5 and 10 and 15 and 12, they ought to be down there. This is a massive story. <clears throat> I, I would suggest, I would offer that one of the most shocking things about it, aside from seeing it, is the lack of media. You know, when we approached, it's it's weird. You, you, you wonder how, how you... Get the, you kind of have to know how to. So I'm not going to advise that people just willy-nilly go looking around because it is dangerous and it's hard to find. And you don't need to make CPB's life harder. But if you have someone who knows what they're doing and knows the area and can show you around, please go see it. Please go do that. But when you get there, as you approach one of these processing areas and you see the CPB personnel, they will ask you, as they asked us, are you with the media? And the reason they ask is because it allows you to stand in a certain area and that sort of thing. But they ask because no one from the media is there. Allie's there and that Channel 9 person from Tucson was there who was very helpful, by the way, too. But Allie was so expert. Is there anyone who knows more about this than Allie Bradley? Probably not. And I'm sure she would be willing to help other journalists explain what she has been reporting on for, what did she say, about a year and a half now? She's doing lonely and good work. The CPB wants to do good work, but they are lonely. Lonely from lack of support from the federal government. We'll be right back. 
How hard was that? I How was I supposed to know? I that couldn't Bobby have been Darren more clear. Bobby Lewis. I, could, and I couldn't sleep. I all gave night. you it was Bobby. Not, in fact, I, I gave the name you the, of the song. It was called "Tossing and Turning." I gave you the perfect lyrics. I said I couldn't sleep at all last night, and I gave you the first name of the artist. It was a number one on the Billboard hits, "Tossing and Turning." I couldn't sleep at all last night. We should offer this as a service to our listeners. You know, on some music radio stations, you can uh, describe a song that you don't quite remember, and they'll pull it up based on how you've described it. And if you're right, you know, it's fun. We should we should offer this service to our listeners. <laughs> Songs you may have forgotten, but remember. Right now, I would too. like a producer to offer his services to this listener. I, I see no listeners. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I kid David because I can. But really, I mean, I mean, oh, come on, David. I gave you the first name and I gave you the perfect lyrics of the opening. I couldn't sleep at all. And last I gave night. you the wrong the lyrics to the wrong song to the, to the fifth dimension. Oh, my goodness. Lonely Teardrops. Do you know that work by Bobby Lewis? Bobby Lewis? Yeah. No. Lonely no. Teardrops. Yeah. Famous stuff. I guess you never watched Happy Days. I, I, hey. <laughs> That's about the extent of my Happy Days knowledge. That and finding out that Laverne and Shirley is a uh, sideshow from it. And Mork and Mindy. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Robin Lotta, Williams. Lotta. Robin Williams, who had one of the most storied careers in all Hollywood, one of the most storied comic actors, got his start on Happy Days. People forget that. But the Mork character was born from Happy Days. Yeah, you're right. As was Joni Loves Chachi. It had a lot of spinoffs. I don't know why we're ending on this less than somber note with what was a very impactful day, but I guess that's life. Um, that's what the people say anyway. Um, life is cyclical. If we bring them down, we have to bring them back up again. But time is not necessarily. You're coming around to it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, with David, obviously, all the time. Uh, but this was a very, very big and serious issue. And I, I do want to repeat, go to newsnationnow.com and look up uh, Allie's, uh, Allie's reporting on it because no one's doing this story, and it is a huge story. Allie Bradley, send it to your congressperson. Uh, tell your congressperson to go down and see it for themselves. This is not the Yuma sector. This is uh, the uh, the Lukeville sector. And... Um, it's not an eye-opener. It's a game-changer. Folks, thanks for being with us today, truly. And on behalf of um, David, who's always good for a misquoted lyric, and myself and Mr. Bill and the rest, until tomorrow, I'm going to go get some rest. God bless you all. <laughs> you know who's going to really get some rest? Dagny is going to get some rest. God bless you all. Class dismissed.